Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filipponi. All right, thanks for checking out First and Pod, Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi. If you're listening on the fan in Pittsburgh or the score in Chicago, we appreciate you, but we're a podcast. We do it twice a week. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, every game, every team, every week, coming to you after Ravens and Bengals. Pony, I feel like we could do 45 minutes on just this game. We were robbed of a great Thursday night game because of injuries. The Bengals season feels over Bengals are now five and five on the season with one AFC win and no wins in the division not the toughest schedule in the world the rest of the way but they do have both Pittsburgh games left they do have a road game in Kansas City they've got a Cleveland game left Indianapolis Minnesota feels like they probably have to go five and two down the stretch to have a shot and we don't know the severity of Joe Burrow's injury so it feels like the Bengals season is over I agree with that 100%. Um, it's crazy that uh, we're not even to Thanksgiving and two of the biggest threats to the Chiefs and two of the most serious contenders in the eyes of many, especially the Bengals for me, less so the Bills, but both of those teams look like they are on life support right now. And I would say even more so Cincinnati, even though they beat Buffalo head-to-head, 
because this Burrow thing does not look good. And now I think it calls into question all the circumstances around it. And we're, we're, we're taping right now without hearing Zach Taylor after the game. But my guess is he's going to get asked about Burrow's pre-existing hand injury that the Bengals hid repeatedly. There was a there was a tweet that went out with a picture of Burrow in practice attire with a brace on his hand, a wrap on his hand. They deleted it after there were questions about it. And then Amazon kept showing him getting off the team plane with, with something on his hand. So it was aggravated in this game. He never showed up on an injury report. With all the sports betting stuff out there, you think we would have liked to have known that information, Danny? That Joe it's a, Burrow it's a, was less it's than 100%. It's a huge issue. It's a huge issue because so Mitchell Schwartz played for the Chiefs, was an all pro right tackle, is a super smart guy. He's casually involved in media, but he live tweets a lot of stuff. And he was like, he was making the, the counterpoint. He's like, oh, wow, a guy wearing a compression sleeve on a flight to reduce swelling. Uh, what a not a big deal. Would you really have not bet the Bengals if they would have said hand injury but full participant in practice, but he was just on the injury report? So I'll, he's like, he, players are not 100% all the time. Everybody that played in this game at this point in the season is not 100%. So I see the argument that he's making, but Joe Burrow basically couldn't throw the football. That was not some sort of minor injury that was happening. And they were clearly trying to hide something. I don't really know why. If they were going to play him, what is that? What are they going to, the Ravens going to do? They're going to target his hand. He's the quarterback. They're always trying to hit his throwing arm. So I don't really understand what the Bengals thought they were gaining in this situation, but it's obviously an issue that the league needs to investigate. Yeah. I think they're going to use plausible deniability because there aren't really many real practices on a short week. And so they're going to try to, I think, deny it in that way. Right, but, that's right. For thir- for Thursday games when they just do walkthroughs, they're just like estimates as to what they right. would be if they but, played. But still, I mean, now I think there's enough smoke around this where uh, I think the NFL will demand answers and they want transparency on these things because of all the money now that's tied into the sports betting stuff. But that that that, that sidetracks from the bigger deal here, which is they are, to me, because of what they've done in previous playoff runs, so dangerous, even as a road team, nobody would want to play them in the wild card round. And I think even NFC teams, even teams like the Eagles and 49ers let out a sigh of relief when this result came in tonight because uh, it takes it takes a real threat, in my opinion, pretty much out of the field. You don't have to worry about them anymore. They don't have any tiebreakers. They haven't won a single division game yet this year. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a must-win spot for them with extra rest against your Steelers. And if Burrow plays and they get that win and they get to 6-5 and five and he plays, I think that we have to say that they are still on life support. But it's looking bad. Quickly on the on the Ravens, that hip drop tackle on Mark, Mark Andrews, Odo Beckham looked amazing tonight. And then got and hurt. I know. And then he got hurt as well. It just felt like this game, we were really robbed of what could have been a classic. Ravens, though, man, like I don't know how much, like, it's almost like we have to give them an asterisk because of what happened with Burrow. Correct. But the one, but the one thing I'll say, 
Next Gen Stats put out the numbers on uh, Stevens, who shadowed Jamar Chase for like 70% of his routes. Did a great job on him. Like they, their, their defense has been remarkable this year. And I know there's no Burrow for the vast majority of the game, so it's not as impressive in that spot. I understand that. But that was a pretty impressive defensive performance. And Lamar continues to play very, very, very well. And Odell Beckham looked close to being vintage over 100 yards tonight. I thought they were asking for it with him. Even after he got hurt early in the game, he kept running. And there were a couple, I think, scares with that as the game went on where you'd see him get tackled low again. And if you're a Ravens fan, you hold your breath. So, hey, you know, it's their turn probably to get some injury luck, especially at quarterback with two division quarterbacks now going down. Uh, It's a win for the Ravens that I think does make them squarely now the favorites to win the AFC North. And Lamar Lamar still, like, I mean, that's a very good performance for his continuing MVP candidacy. 260 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, 50, 60 rushing yards. Like, that's it's a very good game for Lamar. Let's get to the games. All right. To me, I started with Jets and Bills here because it's not the biggest game of the week, but it's the biggest story. I think it's an even bigger story than Watson because they fire a coordinator midseason, and we haven't talked about the Monday night game. We we haven't discussed that. The way that they lost and their reaction to the way they lost to Denver is to fire uh, Josh Allen's coach. Danny, your thoughts? I mean, scapegoat, it, it, obviously. Now, what we don't know is if Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen do not get along. If there is, if, if Josh Allen had some sort of, of say in this, that he prefers Joe Brady in his ear, has not been reported yet. McDermott kind of hinted at it when he backed the bus up over Dorsey, saying, you know, they had to figure out a way to unlock the confidence uh, in Josh Allen, seemingly uh, tying that to coaching. But they had four turnovers in that game. Two of them were fumbles. Dorsey is not calling the let's fumble the ball play. They were over seven yards per play in that game. If there's not 12 men on the field, is Dorsey still fired the next day? No, of course not. So I find I find that part of it to be ridiculous, frankly. And what I will say, though, is it's a reason why a team like the one I cover, the Bears, was so insane to hire a guy like Matt Eberflus because this it's very hard to develop a rookie quarterback and turn him into a star. There's a million landmines along the way. The Bills did it with a defensive coach and Brian Dable. Brian Dable then has the ultimate success, gets a head coaching job, and now you throw another landmine in front of your quarterback, and it ends up being partially to blame, fully to blame, we don't know, but clearly partly to blame for Josh Allen's struggles this year. And it's just so unnecessary uh, to do if you're trying to develop a court. If you've got Brady, if you've got Peyton Manning, if you've got Aaron Rodgers, fine, they are the system. But if you're developing a young quarterback with a defensive head coach, it seems insane to me. Uh, I would say of the move, bad process, but good result. I think Buffalo needed something like this. 
I think without this move, they definitely don't make the playoffs. I still don't expect it to happen, but I think it has a chance to wake them up. Something's got to snap them out of this. And firing a a play caller and a a top lieutenant, I think, has a chance to do that. Um, I think we could look back on that 12 men on the field penalty, and it's the best thing that happened to Buffalo this season. Because I agree with you, without it, they don't they don't win the game and fire the offensive coordinator. So he did get scapegoated, but sometimes you need to scapegoat someone in order to get the change you want and to get the results you want. So I think I think for Josh Allen, you know, it it rattles his cage. It 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 really, in a way, is you can't fire him. So it's how about firing McDermott? Uh, and and they're a top Ken, ten scoring team in the league, and promoting Ken Dorsey to head coach. Sure, they're a top ten defense too. I, he calls I'm just the saying, plays. I'm just saying it. It it just felt ridiculous. They the whole sure maybe you have to scapegoat somebody. I just and life life isn't fair. Big boy football, but no one has really been able to connect the dots for Josh Allen's turnover problems to Ken Dorsey. No one has been able to successfully make that case to me uh, in any of the reporting around this. So I just, I think that their their roster is flawed and they turn the ball over. And frankly, they've had some bad late game luck, but you know, I'm sure he'll end up being fine. But I just, I thought that that was just such a clear case of scapegoating a guy. Uh, Eagles and Chiefs, we then go to the best game of the week. Classic question here. Who do you like and why? I like the Eagles. Uh, I like Philly here. Yeah, I do. Very small line. So the odds makers are giving them, you know, more than a puncher's chance in this game as they should a Super Bowl rematch. That was such a classic game and the Eagles were in it all along. Um, Man, I just now got to see. Well, let me start with this. The biggest question I have in this game is the Chiefs offensive line against the Eagles front. That's where I'm at. And I know you've talked about the secondary problems with the Eagles, and I think they're I think it's valid. But for all the money that Kansas City's invested in their offensive line, I haven't seen really I'm I'm gonna say good play from that unit this year. And this is to me about as big of a test as you'll get what the Eagles are able to do with their defensive line with Jalen Carter in company. So I like Philly. I think the Chiefs offense still just doesn't seem right. It hasn't clicked. And I think that continues against pound for pound, one of the best teams in the NFL. Wow. Um, Listen, I mean, obviously either team can win. It's a two and a half point spread. These are two of the five best teams in, in the NFL Super Bowl rematch. Like you said, you are going up against, you are going against, two significant trends that I actually do think are relevant. Andy Reid, 27 and 27 and 11 straight up when his team has more than 10 days rest. Obviously they're coming off the bye here. He's legendary off the bye, but so is Philly, which helps though. I mean, that kind of, to me, evens things out. They get the same break. Good scheduling job by the NFL here with that. Pat Mahomes, as a three-point favorite or less, 15-4-1 against the spread. The Chiefs have been historically bad against the spread when Mahomes has been there because they're always having to cover such big numbers and they seem to play down to their opponents. 
play down to their level of competition. Uh, this is not a game where they could possibly sleepwalk through sure. or take for granted or anything like that. It's Arrowhead at night off a bye with Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes as a small favorite with people picking the team against him. Uh, I will I will side with the Chiefs in this spot. And, you know, listen, man, I mean, I don't know. Joe Thune, Creed Humphrey, Chiefs offensive line has been pretty good overall. The tackles Maybe. have been good? The tackles have been questionable. The, okay. ta- the, ta- the interior has been better than the tackles, no question. But I think the – I think that they should be able to protect Mahomes enough. Uh, and talk about storylines, man. The Kelseys are meeting the Swifts. That's pretty good. Yeah, That's I can't good. wait to see the graphic where here are his stats when she's there. Dude, but I mean, Mama Kelsey, Mama Swift, Papa Kelsey, Papa Swift, back from Argentina, in the booth, the New Heights podcast, brothers. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be excellent. All right. No more comments from me on that one. Okay. Let's move ahead to the Steelers at Browns. And this is the second biggest story of the week, in my opinion. Deshaun Watson lost for the season. How screwed are they? Well, I mean, for the season, you know that I wasn't that much of a believer in them. So, obviously, they still could make the playoffs. But it feels... So? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think so. But... Have you it seen was, Dorian Thompson Robinson and PJ Walker play football? I yeah, I'm shocked they're going with DTR over PJ Walker. I don't really understand why. Last time I saw him play, he couldn't throw the football. Well, you watched PJ Walker in the preseason. Well, how could how would you report back on that? It was it was horrifying. He lost out to Nathan Peterman and Tyson Pagent, but he does have a win in the NFL this yeah. year. Um, he also he has did, six touchdowns to 16 interceptions in his career. Yes, that, that is, that, that is accurate. Um, but I think it's more alarming for the Browns long-term. He's going to have what? 11 starts in three years. Deshaun Watson. When he, it's by opening day, starts and they paid 91 million for it. it by, by, by the time next year rolls around, they're still not going to know whether or not Deshaun Watson is going to ever turn back into being a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. I'm still struggling with the idea that they're sure that this happened in the first half. And he went out there in the second half against the Ravens defense that you were just raving about and and played well 14 for 14. So he was able to do that with this injured shoulder in the second half of Baltimore. Why couldn't he just do that for the rest of the season? Does that make any sense? He said he was shocked at the diagnosis. Okay. So if he played through it once, why can't he play through it again? Am I missing something? I don't know, man. Adrenaline, liability, risk of further injury. I have I I'm not a doctor. You've been a conspiracy theorist on every Deshaun Watson story that's come out. But this one is based in fact. He was injured with this injury and he was able to play and not only just play, but it's not Brock Purdy in the NFC championship game. He was 14 of 14. No, I know. He, he looked arguably the best he's looked all year. Drop the arguably. He was the best he was all year. He should hurt his shoulder more often. <laughs> I mean, do you do you think they're they're missing the playoffs? Well, their schedule is um, isn't that tough. But here's the problem now. I know how good their defense is, but based on their quarterback, I think you know every opponent now. 
I don't mean this as like the way that an opponent prepares for a game, but like they 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 can't look at any opponent now. Even your Bears, for example, that game happens in a few weeks. When you're starting PJ Walker or DTR, there is no gimme putt for you anymore. There's no, no. layup. So every game at best is a coin flip for you. So with that in mind, if that's the best case scenario, it's a game like this against the Steelers where it's a flip of the coin. I don't think in a congested AFC, they're going to make the playoffs now. And your point about the big picture is, is spot on too. Like your the cap hit goes up to 64 million on this guy next year. That's the highest in NFL history. Have fun with that. Again, this is first in pod. Most of you are listening on podcast, but now that we are airing and re-airing on the score in Chicago and uh, the fan in Pittsburgh and hopefully more stations around the country, come on, Odyssey program directors, take note. Uh, this is first in pod, one ST ampersand pod. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, every team, every game, every week, twice a week. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Vikings and Broncos. What do you make of the suddenly competent, borderline resurgence Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson? Uh, oh, Peyton, an apology. I thought it was an Urban Meyer situation where he would go, went somewhere for the money and really wasn't all that serious about coaching anymore. Um, celebrity coach, guy that had worked in TV, take the Walmart money. If it works, great. If it doesn't, no skin off your back. You're a much richer man. You still got a Super Bowl ring in your closet. Uh, you know, life goes on. But do he's people done... keep Super Bowl rings in their closet? No, they really. I would have it on full display. You're right. Why would you want to hide something like that? Yeah, I mean, and if it? you are going to put it away and be humble, it's more of a drawer placement Correct. than a closet. 
Just well, you know. yeah, all, all all well and good. Okay, uh, he is doing here a good coaching job. I think. I mean, I would say one of the top ten coaching jobs in the NFL this season now, with the way they've played since the seventy point debacle, and really what the how they played since that Jets situation where they had the Hackett revenge game. They're not going to make the playoffs, but but Denver's got to feel. I thought they were maybe one of the worst uh, teams in terms of their outlook and situation moving forward. I don't put them in that category anymore with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. Uh, I think we did have them as the team in the worst situation at the end of last year before they got Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you pose the question this way, I wanted to just like see what, what it was to see how good it's been. Russell Wilson has a passer rating of 104. And he's got 18 passing touchdowns against four interceptions. A four and a half to one interception to touchdown ratio for Russell Wilson. With not a great supporting cast around him. Sutton's been great in the red zone. He's been great at catching touchdowns. You know, Judy, we all thought was going to get traded. Uh, but obviously, no, no one would say a top 10 skill position group in the NFL there. So I agree. It, it is a good coaching job. I still think that they might have been in a better spot if they would have lost a bunch of games and got a young, cheap quarterback. Because I don't know that with Russ there at his age and his money that you can do enough to build around him quickly enough where you've got to go through a a talented but underachieving Chargers team and obviously the Chiefs in a loaded AFC where it feels impossible that Russell Wilson will ever be a top five quarterback in that conference so like I don't know what the ceiling is here and it feels like they might just be destined for seven to nine wins in perpetuity of that coach and quarterback marriage but it is they are they are overachieving so it is a good coaching job but as far as Sean Payton is concerned like he's still the game hasn't passed him by no it is when they when they eventually have an opportunity to, to rid themselves of, of Russell Wilson and the contract. I now trust the coach more to either find the right veteran quarterback and make him better or draft the rookie quarterback. Yeah. The young quarterback and develop him into a good player. Yeah. I agree. All right. Uh, Cowboys and Panthers. Now, usually when the Cowboys are this high up on the rundown, it's a question about them. Frank Reich is going to take over play calling in Carolina again. Not only Bryce Young, but did they get the coach wrong here too? It looks terrible. It, it, it I feel bad for the guy that he gave the play calling duties to because it was his first time ever getting a Thomas shot at Brown, and he's like yeah. in his thirties, and people like before this year looked at him as a head coaching candidate, somebody with a bright future in the league. Yeah, on that super staff, too, in Carolina that everyone was talking about before the year. And so now he kind of gets just the rug pulled out from under him. And now his name is more associated with this failure here. And then you got the owner coming out for some reason and telling the story on the record about the Texans backing out of the trade, uh, about the double trade down that the Bears were going to do. And it seems to 
give more weight to the thought that they didn't end up with the quarterback that they thought they were going to, but then they were the ones who traded up to one and they took Bryce Young. So the whole thing just feels messy and dysfunctional. And I don't know how you can make the art. They, they obviously got the quarterback wrong. I mean, obviously Bryce Young can still be good, but the odds of him being better than CJ Stroud are, I mean, very low right now, right? What would I have to give you 20 to one? You know what I mean? It, it, it feel it feels like borderline impossible that and that's also partly a product of the situation that he's in they don't have a clean they got a ton of dead cap space so they'll have cap money in a year and two and three but they don't have an extra first round pick they don't have a second round pick in two years like and then eventually he'll run out of time and he might have to change coaches so everything that could go wrong for Bryce Young is going wrong and Frank Reich is right in the middle of it so Yes. I mean, they definitely got uh, quarterback wrong, and it seems like they got coach wrong. Frank Reich seems right now like he was an Andrew Luck creation. And that we're seeing, as we are as well with Bill Belichick and some of these other guys, that uh, it's funny how that works. When you take away the great franchise quarterback, suddenly a lot of these coaches don't seem so smart. But I thought that Reich was going to be a quarterback whisperer almost – like a Bruce Arians type. And uh, yeah, early returns on Bryce Young, so bad. Uh, and it's not like in, in Houston, there was this much better situation as far as the roster, the, the caliber of playmaker and the offensive line for CJ Stroud, really not all that different from Carolina. And yet the results just could not be any more different from those two guys. So yeah, it does look like a hot mess. All right, the next game... You say Tampa, San Francisco. This is a preview of a playoff game in January. I did. State Uh, your case. Yes, because this is also my opportunity to tell people on this podcast and show that I am addicted to the ESPN NFL playoff machine, which came back out this week. I don't know if you're aware of that, where you can put in all the games and you get updated playoffs and whatnot. And so my wife sometimes thinks that I'm looking at like porn in bed or something, but I'm really just fiddling around and playing with the NFL playoff machine. Oh, it's like that meme. I bet he's thinking of other women and it's like the 12th hole at Augusta. Yeah. All right. It's the playoff machine for you. Good. So this just sounds like a foreign concept to you. You're not into it. It's Uh, it's a little early. It's a little early and the bears have no shot at making the playoffs. Gotcha. So, uh, I'm not I'm not completely there yet. I mean, here's the th- so do you think Tampa has a shot to win in San Francisco? No. Okay, neither do I. Here's what I'm going to tell you. When I look at future schedules for NFC teams, I don't think I can come up with seven teams that finish with a winning record. And the team here that is going to surprise you the most when I say that is Seattle. Seattle's schedule is an absolute I can't say the word anymore cuz now we're simulcast on radio. But it is a mother. It is tough, dude. They still haven't. They haven't played San Francisco yet. I think. I think that's two losses right there. I mean, I think they're going to be lucky to get to nine wins. And so well, the, the the one game though. Ne- Listen, I obviously think San Francisco is much better than Seattle, but they that's a in Seattle Thanksgiving night game. That's a tough spot. Short week on Thanksgiving in Seattle at night. Would you like to bet the Seahawks in that game against me right now? 
No. Okay. I'm just saying. Yeah. That's a that's as tough of a spot as you can get. I actually think there's two teams. And actually, Tampa Bay really doesn't have that low of playoff odds because the division they're in. I'm well, saying right. they can get they, it as they, a wild card. They lose this game. They go to four and six, and three of their next four games are on the road, but the teams are easy. It's at Indy, home against Carolina, at Atlanta, at Green Bay. Yeah, I think they can get to eight and nine. And I think eight and nine is going to get them in the playoffs because of Seattle's schedule. Um, so just remember that. When, okay. When, when they're in January and we're talking, and the question for 49ers and Bucks will be, most likely, why did we need to add the seventh playoff team? This is a waste of time. Remember that we had this conversation before Thanksgiving. We'll remember that we had it and we'll say in week 11, we knew that was going to be a bad playoff game then because it was a bad regular season game. That, right? we do, that happens with us a lot for newcomers to this. We end up being right about an, an abnormal number of things. Hey, we're holding 95 to 1 CJ Stroud MVP tickets as of last week. So yeah, And we're guess on. what? Well, we'll get to them in a little bit, so never mind. I'm not going to spoil that one. Okay. Uh, Raiders and Dolphins, speaking of schedules, first of a five-game stretch for Miami versus teams with losing records. How are we supposed to evaluate this team? In January. This this happens every year. Now, they have shown higher highs than some of the teams that it's happened to recently, but... We were talking about it with Minnesota and the Giants all of last year. Paper Tiger, fraudulent, not as good as their record suggested. But hey, maybe they'll prove us wrong in January. Miami has had different things because it's like, oh, they've got the favorite for Offensive Player of the Year, one of the favorites for MVP, one of the favorites for Coach of the Year. They hung 70 on a team. They're real. But then whenever they've played good teams, they've lost that challenge. But they easily could win... 11 or 12 games make the playoffs and it wouldn't shock me if they represented the AFC in the Super Bowl. Like I don't think they're frauds. Man, you've done a 180 on them because last year that's what you were saying at this time. You were I like, know. I and now they've this year they've only made that case stronger by losing convincingly I, to all the good teams they've played. I I know but but all the AFC teams are flawed, man. Like don't you think their best, like if they happen to play their best on that Sunday, they can beat these teams? Yeah, I do. Um, let me their, ask their, you their best has proven better than I thought it was. They have not done it consistently. They have not done it against the good team. So I would not pick them. I'd have them behind the Chiefs for sure. Uh, I'd have them behind Baltimore right now. But, I mean, they, they absolutely can do it because their best is very good. Every Dolphins fan, given what we watched with Joe Burrow tonight and what we've seen with Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers – they have to be just holding their breath that Tua makes it through these stretch of games where, like I said, they're not playing good teams. But let me ask you this question and along those lines. If the Dolphins go something like 13-4 and four, and Tua has huge numbers, like he gets to 40 touchdown passes, he's in the top five in passing yards, okay? Yeah. But they will have beaten just bad teams and will have lost – all of their games to good teams yep. and compile a great record because of the division they are in playing new England and the jets and the up and down bills. Do you think Tua would win the MVP in that situation? It would depend if anyone else had a comparable statistical season, you know, it would depend what Lamar's numbers. Let's say he leads the league in touchdowns and they've got 13 wins. 
Do you think he wins it? Probably. Man, I don't know. Because I think that like, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think it would be a unanimous one. But I. I think. I think probably it would. It would be looked at as a weak MVP year. You know, but you're you're giving me the specifics on Tua, but you're not giving me the specifics on Hurts. Well, I know, I know, but I'm Lamar. saying they've got two games in December in Jan in December at the end of the year against the Cowboys and Ravens. They better win one of those games. Yeah, they've I'm got chances say. left. That's right. They've got chances left for him to prove it on a big stage. All right, next game's mine. So you ask the question. Bears and Lions. Fields is back, and so I want to know from you: How does Justin Fields feel about this situation? Because all he's heard for the last few weeks is that he needs to be more like Tyson Bajan, and people like you've said that he's on borrowed time there. He played it like a true pro this week. Said, "Of course, there's things that I can learn from Tyson. All quarterbacks are different, uh, and you can always learn things from them, and you can take things from their games, but." We, we play the game differently. And I knew that there was going to be a quarterback controversy because that's how the media works. And I'm not worried about it. And I'm not worried about proving anything to anyone. And that'll all take care of itself. All I'm going to go do is try to win this football game. Like he, he played it like a pro. Um, I believe that he is not bothered by the noise. He's been in the spotlight since he was in sixth grade, uh, battling with Trevor Lawrence at, you know, seventh sixth seventh grade camps and being recruited to Georgia and Georgia state championships and then going to Ohio state and college football playoffs. Like he he's used to the spotlight, but here's what I would say about fields. He's made 31 starts, 10 of them. He's got six wins. I know, but listen, but like if you actually break it down, 31 starts and he's got seven more this year. Assuming health. 10 of them were with Matt Nagy in a year where Matt Nagy got fired and he was square peg, round hole, like literally playing him in Andy Dalton's offense. He was sacked nine times in his first game because Matt Nagy didn't adjust the game plan for Justin Fields from Andy Dalton. That was his first 10 starts. Then he starts 15 games last year in a year where they are bad by design. They're tanking, trading away Robert Quinn, trading away Roquan Smith. Sure. Guys getting hurt left and right. They are like trying to be bad. And that was his first year with a new coach. Then this year, he's terrible the first two games of the year. Calls out his coach. They get the crap kicked out of him against the Chiefs. Then he plays two great games against Denver and Washington. Has eight touchdowns and over 600 yards passing in two games. Then gets hurt in the next game against Minnesota. Misses four games and now he's back. He's got the healthiest offensive line he's ever had. He knows the system. He's got DJ Moore. He's got Cole Komet, who's playing well. They're the fifth ranked rushing team in the NFL. And it's not because Justin Fields is running like crazy. It's because they're actually doing a good job running the ball. He is in by far the best situation that he's been in in the NFL to succeed. And it's not even close. I think that he thinks he's about to go out and ball out. and. We'll see if he ends up being right. And we'll see if it ends up being enough if the Bears get the first or second pick it's in the draft. It's not going to be enough. It, it, I agree. Be. I agree. But it will be enough for them to be in a unique position to draft Drake May or Caleb Williams and trade him for something meaningful to Atlanta. That, or- that, that, that's that's what I that's why I asked the question. Because I think he's he whether he is going to come out, he's not going to come out and say it, but he knows from his agent and everything else 
that he's entering what are probably the last eight games seven. as a Chicago seven games as a Chicago Bear. He know he, I think uh, he knows. Okay, that. right. But but what if Carolina wins a couple of games? Well, that's the one thing that would throw a monkey wrench into all this. You know, if if, if but I mean, dude, that's the NFL. No, I don't. It, you know, like if Carolina wins a couple of games and Fields balls out and they end up with the third and the seventh pick, they easily could run it back with him next year. So there's just, there's a lot at stake here. And all of a sudden these games are very, very, very interesting because the Bears defense is playing pretty well too. Seahawks and Rams. Stafford's going to start for LA. And I just wrote down big trap game vibes for Seattle here. Am I right? So... I don't believe that division games can be trap games. Really? Yeah, personal theory. I think that these guys are so ingrained to say the first first goal of the year, the first objective is to win the division. We had six games in the division. You got to circle your division games. You got to take care of your division before we could do it before we it's the cleanest path to the playoffs the only way to do to have achieve our ultimate goal is to do the small goal and the small goal is to win the division that i just think it's really hard for division games to be trap games it's why i loved the cowboys against the giants last week to cover the 17 points because i don't think the cowboys ever overlooked the giants like it's just it's but a, the cowboys following game was against carolina they didn't have their eyes someplace else you're saying about the division it's about winning the division the team that beat you in the playoffs last year and is the pick to win the division is coming to your house not next week, Thursday, but in a few days. Yes. Yeah. And then but after if you that, don't you win, if you don't, but if you don't win this game, that game means nothing. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. These are guys in their young twenties. I don't think they have tunnel vision the way that you think they do. I don't think that like. I, Pete Carroll has them all with blinders on. It's the 49ers in a few days. Then it's the Cowboys and the 49ers again. So you like the Rams? Yeah, I love the Rams. Now that Stafford's playing and he's got Cup and he's got Nakua should play. Yeah, I like them a lot. I already right. told you, I think Seattle's going to collapse. Sorry, I know how much you love Gino. What's not to love? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, Giants commanders, if the Giants nightmare season ends with Drake May, is it all worth it? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think this, (laughs) I think this is, um, like as long as the New York media doesn't pressure the Giants to like, blow things up and like make the organization think that everything is such a disaster there, then there's, I think a huge light at the end of this tunnel here and it's not oncoming traffic. You know, it's like this, it's, they have not, I mean, since Eli Manning, even Eli Manning, the last five or six years of his career was not very good. So it's really been like, I feel more than a decade since they got good quarterback play. And I've told you, I think Drake may will end up being better than Caleb Williams. He looked awesome Saturday night. 
against Duke. Against That's Duke. my first time watching him start to finish. He he looked real, real, real good. But yeah, I mean, listen, uh, of course, if you end up with a generational quarterback prospect, basically any any season, the, it, it was so worth it for the Colts that they moved on from Peyton Manning. Like there's nothing more valuable in the NFL other than a Super Bowl is a young generational quarterback on a rookie contract. So yes, it, any any one season of pain is worth it if you get a great young quarterback. Titans, Jaguars. We didn't do a lot of Jags after the 49ers loss. We sure it's all good with them? We no, sure? I'm not at all sure that it's all good with them. It's why I wanted to bet against them six weeks ago. We just picked the wrong team. Uh, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that yet, by the way. You already, you you made a foolish Cut my cut your losses and bought yourself out of that bet, which now I vehemently disagree with. I'm not going to tell you how to manage your money, Thanks. but you're welcome. Um, you know how much I like Houston and Stroud, but I don't even think I don't even think Tennessee's dead in this division if they win this game because they've got two games coming up at home after this one, and they win all their home games. They could get to they could get to six and six and give themselves a shot. All right. Well, I pulled it up for you, buddy, because I figured you'd say something like that to make me feel bad about buying out of my bet, our bet against Nick Wright when we took Indy at four and a half to one to win the South. I think there's a path for the Colts to get to nine wins. Well, they're 13 to one to win the division right now. I know. And the Titans are 21 to one. Yeah, I know. I don't think you did. No, I didn't know those things. I'm just saying to your previous point, Jacksonville is overvalued right now and people are not making a big deal about their home losses to good teams. And that would change on Sunday if Tennessee went in there and Derrick Henry turned back the clock and Will Levis looked like the guy uh, a few weeks ago in his debut when he threw four touchdowns. That would get everybody's attention. Yes, it would. Do you expect that to happen? I do, actually. I've already bet Tennessee money line. All right. Chargers and Packers. Bigger second half of the season for Jordan Love or Justin Herbert. So I will take this as a literalist and say Jordan Love because Justin Herbert already has 200 plus million dollars in contracts. Justin Herbert's a made guy. The pressure will mount for him, but there's not a ton of local pressure anyway. They, they, They don't have a huge fan base. There's not a huge following. It's just, you know, he's... He's got a pretty cushy gig. The coach is going to get fired, so he'll be scapegoated. I don't really get the sense that a ton of heat is going to be on Herbert simply because there's just not a ton of attention focused on him. Jordan Love, is he definitely the starter in Green Bay next year? No. And if he's not the starter in Green Bay, is he the starter anywhere? No. But where do you think their next starting quarterback comes from? Green Bay's? Yes, because they're not going to be bad enough to get either of the top two guys. Listen, I think it's most likely Jordan Love. They, they're a patient franchise. They've already said, like they said before the year, he would, gets this year and next would year. Would they dump Jordan Love for Kyler Murray? Yes. Would, no, not should they. Do you think they would? You know that organization. Yeah. You think they would? I do. Would they dump Jordan Love for Daniel Jones? No. Didn't think so. Would they dump Jordan Love for your for your quarterback? Cool. Please don't present me with that. I just did. I I didn't hear you. I don't. I want to pretend like that. 
I, I can't live in a world where Justin Fields balls out for the Packers. I, I can't. I'd retire. I can't live in that world. That would be that's the scare. Oh, I, 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 so I haven't cool. considered that one time. That is a mortifying proposition. Bring it um, up. This is now going to be on the air on six seventy. The score. So your so your listeners are hearing it. Yeah, I react I, to it. I would. I mean, listen. I think Justin Fields is better than Jordan Love, so I think they should. Yes. Yes, I don't think Jordan Love is very good, and I think that Justin Fields has an immense amount of talent and is probably going to run out of time with the bears. Well, the way you answered those, th- that questionnaire makes me think there is more pressure on love. But before that, I was going to answer with Herbert because at some point Herbert's got to start winning games, but, but like, or, or else what, or else he'll be like caught up in the sports take industrial complex a little bit. Yes. More which and... I happen to be a big part of. Don't, well, don't we're, minim- we're both, we're both yes. a part of it. Don't Let's minimize our, our we're, 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 we're part, we're in that little spoke. And that giant wheel. All right, last one. Cardinals and Texans. This is a great red zone game. Uh, Texans on upset alert. Yes. Yeah, big time. I agree. So. Letdown factor. Exactly. Exactly. Young team. Letdown factor. Young team. Kyler shaking off the rust. And believing the hype. Yeah, Like all of a sudden Stroud gets talked about as the MVP. D'Amico Ryans gets talked about coach of the year. They get talked about as, oh, they're going to the playoffs. Have you seen their schedule? Like, like this could be a, they think they're, they, they, they put great upset, beat Cincinnati, read their press clippings. And then you want to talk about a letdown spot. This is a letdown spot. Now, if they come out and they win this game convincingly, when Arizona has been playing teams tough this year, that'll speak volumes about them. Th- that that will that will say that okay, we can trust them to not not be a, a letdown team going forward. They already went to Carolina and lost, so we know that they are capable of doing that. A couple things to clean up here. Uh, John Harbaugh, according to our producer Spencer in his press conference, said Mark Andrews' injury likely season-ending. I mean, wow. By the way, we didn't talk about my team. What a They've had a they've had a horseshoe up their rear end the entire season. That they're gonna get DTR on Sunday, the Steelers, then maybe Jake Browning the next week. And the now the team that looks like they're the favorites just lost an all pro tight end and one of the best uh players at his position and Lamar Jackson's security blanket for the rest of the year, which is just wild. Um and then the other thing Spencer wanted us to hit on quick is what did you make of the Carissa Thompson story? Minute on that here. So I didn't go back and listen to the full podcast. I only listened to the clip that Pardon My Take put out. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you put something out like that, you have to assume that people will react to the clip that you put out. Because I saw like Big Cat saying, oh, you didn't hear the, the thing in its entire context. Well, you guys put it out that way. So mm-hmm. I'm going to... Sorry if that makes me lazy, but I'm going to judge it on the 50 seconds. Um, It's a crazy thing to admit. And now they've come out and said that it happened. It was a story about something that happened 15 years ago. And she's no longer a sideline. Like, I don't think she should be fired. I think a lot of the pearl clutching that is being done is overdramatic. It's, we're talking about sports here. But it's unnecessary. 
it casts a terrible light on other people and it is disproportionately a job for women who already take more crap in the sports media than we do. It casts them in a negative light. It gives ammunition for people who already hate the media to say, see, they just make it up. Yep. And I think she got caught trying to be funny on a sports comedy podcast. And she admitted something because Carissa Thompson is awesome at her job. And she has done things in her past to suggest that she really does care about journalism. So to have just a, as casual of a approach to saying, yeah, I made up quotes from coaches during my halftime reports. I mean, it's a, it's a shocking admission, even if it was 15 years ago. Well, I, I think she's, you know, she's at the top of the mountain. She's looking down now from where she's made it as the person that anchors Thursday night football and does the Fox pregame stuff. You know, she, she's climbed a rung above that. So she can make comments that whether she wants to do it intentionally or not, belittle that job. At least a specific aspect of that job. She hosts if, a podcast with Aaron Andrews. I don't think she was trying to belittle the job. I think she was like literally talking about. Well, but but they, but as you point, but as you stated though, that is going to be public perception, which is everything is going to be like. Well, I didn't think that that job was important to begin with, so this just makes it even less so. Why do we even need sideline reporters? That kind of thing. Well, and you know every prominent sideline reporter other than Aaron Andrews, it seems like, has come da- come out and been appalled by it. Like Laura Oakman, Michelle Tafoya. Well, that's, so, but, but what they, I was going to say is, if she like, were still in that role, there's zero chance she says this. Agreed. She's I evolved agree. and she's grown and she's advanced, it, Like to your point, because she is good on she is good at her job at least like the presentation uh, of, of what she's asked to do. Um, the, to the context point, if there, if, if there was something in there from her that owned it and was like, I was younger, I was new to it. I, I didn't know what else to say. They, they, you know, Fox is making me still at, at, to start the third quarter, come on and recap a conversation with a coach. The coach was uncooperative this is a problem in the NFL. And so I made it up and like, I don't, I don't say that to, you know, joke. I'm more like, this is an example of me being um, ethically wrong. Or like at that point in my career, not knowing what to do. And I've, you know, I'm, I'm it's like almost like a me, a couple, like, Hey, look how, look how much I've advanced and grown over the last 15 years. This is where I started and this is where I am now. But I don't think she, just from the clip that I saw, I don't think she was doing that. Like, I think it was more about like, you know, it's a real dumbass thing that we have to do in this business. Talk to coaches at halftime. And I think so little of it, this is what I did instead. That's how the comment came across to me. Yeah. Um, I'm sure she will address it on her podcast with Aaron Andrews. I thought I it was weird that Amazon didn't make any reference to it. And I thought Michaels might just go off. I thought that was in play. <laughs> I thought that was in play for sure. Uh, can I say, though, this is probably not, I don't know, a consensus opinion or would be a popular opinion amongst our media colleagues who are taking this story very seriously as if we're covering Watergate. Yeah. I found it kind of refreshing that they didn't address it. It was a thing on Twitter. Mm -hmm. She said a comment on a podcast. She should not be fired for it. 
Like I saw people saying she should be fired for it. No, she should not. She's told the story publicly before. She didn't get in trouble for it then. So just because she told the story on a bigger platform, now she should be fired for it when she doesn't do that job anymore. It's ridiculous to suggest she should be fired for it. And people were outraged on Twitter about it. That does not mean that it is real life and that we have to treat it like it is anything bigger than it is. So it, it's dumb. I can't believe she admitted it. I understand why people who have that job are offended by it, but I have no idea who it really hurts in like the real world. Well, it would only hurt her if like, if, if it got to a point now where viewers felt like she was a joke and, and uh, took away from the broadcast, you know, like if it hurt her credibility so much that like it changed the way that people react to her when she's yeah, on I television. I mean, she's not reporting, man. She's a, yeah. So, I agree. She's I mean, a studio. I was interested. I, was, I, I thought, oh, I thought, oh man, they're going to do some like over the top. She might break down, like, oh, like God. Tr- treat it like she had done some like capital offense. And it, it was dumb, but I, I it was kind of refreshing that they just like let it stay a Twitter story and a podcast story. And she can address it on her podcast and on Twitter and not pretend like, the 15 million people that are watching Bengals Ravens really care about what Carissa Thompson said on part of my take about sideline reporting 15 years ago. Yeah. I, I, I agree with, with pretty much all of that. I think that's, I think like you had, they had a big game tonight. It wasn't like bears and Panthers last week. Don't. And it had nothing to do with her current job. Yeah. And it wasn't like she had been like it was. It's not like she did something away from, you know, if if something had happened away from uh, the game or like she had gotten in trouble for something, and you feel like it's awkward that she's there. She should she should have to address it. But like, you're right. It's a it is an ethical argument. A question: Is she fit to be a sideline reporter now? No, she's not. She can't go do that job again. Right. Whatever. Yeah. All right, man. We'll be back on Sunday night. Yep. Sunday night, first in pod, subscribe, rate, review. Please tell a friend. Thank you to Spencer Ray. He's Andrew Filipponi. I'm Danny Parkins. Peace.